Yeshua Stanford. It is Friday. It is 5 p.m. This is a new time for the Henry George program here in the fall of 2017. The new schedule, KCSU. Welcome. This is a show talking about many ideas loosely around the idea of the 19th century American economist Henry George. Uh, today in the program, we have a special presentation recorded last Saturday with Diego Aguilar. Dig Aguilar uh, is a former KZSUer here on uh, the Stanford. He has left KZSU and gone into the housing scene around the Bay Area. But we're not here to about, talk about housing today. We have Diego on to talk about Puerto Rico. That is Puerto Rico. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Uh, earlier this week, you uh, put out something on the Bay City Beacon, a personal plea to Puerto Rico. So, I guess before we go into yeah. background, uh, what do you think is the most important thing people should be, you know, should know right now about Puerto Rico, what's going on, etc.? Um, it's a completely apocalyptic scene. Um, the devastation is total and uh, unmitigated. Uh, it's three and a half million. American citizens without access to food or clean water or power um, or telecommunications infrastructure. Um, yeah, so I'm afraid this won't have a lot to do with the uh, economics themes of this program. Um, well, I think, but, um, yeah, everything is connected, but the most important sure, thing sure, is sure. that people are suffering, you know, right now. Yeah. And it's personal for you. You, you're, you're, you're a lot. Yeah, your your family. Uh, so, how much of your yeah. family is is right there right now, and is from Puerto Rico um, and, and living elsewhere? Almost, almost all of my mom's side of the family, um, with the exception of a few expats. Um, yeah, the vast majority of my extended family, my mom's side, is still there. Um, we have not. We have it, uh, direct contact has been very very sparse. Um, heard from an aunt who is working at the, at the VA hospital um, and just says, um, you know, hospitals are some of the only places with power and even they're running on fuel. And she says it's um, complete, um, you know, everyone's just shell-shocked. I mean, it, it's like a bomb fell on a state with a population greater than Nevada, uh, except it's not a state. <laughs> um, and so that's so the, the, the plea I put out um, as a reporter, um, was to encourage Congress to pressure um, the executive branch to waive um, the Jones Act from the 1920, which stipulates that um, all of goods coming into places like Puerto Rico, Hawaii, or the Virgin Islands have to come on U.S. ships from U.S. ports, um, which, you know, in times of not crisis, um, it still drives up the price of goods for an island with twice the poverty rate of Mississippi. Um, so I believe so, on the on the twenty eighth, uh, it was it was finally yeah, yeah. waived. Uh, this yes, is after your article. Very temp- yes, very temporarily. Um, the day after, um, you know, there was a lot of bipartisan pressure in Congress. Even yeah. you know, John Mc- John McCain even came out and said it was unacceptable for it not to be waived. 
Um, well, it was yeah, amazing. Because, the blowback is, uh, yeah, because we were, we were talking about the Jones Act uh, several months ago, and that was the first I heard of it back in uh, back in July. And it blew my mind that there's a 1920 law which just makes everything worse to uh, increase the profits of the U.S. shipping industry. And it's just yeah, one of those right. insane privileges that stays on because of very special interest. It's in, you yeah, know, we'll, we'll keep it going. And um, yeah, and it's just yeah, it's in yeah. it's pretty crazy that yeah, stuff like this it is, stays. It up. is nothing short. Yeah, it is nothing short of economic genocide. I mean, I don't I don't want to be ambiguous at all about that. You know, um, because on the one hand, you have that right, you know, restricting access to the global commodity market. Um, but and on the other hand, um, you know, Congress through um, uh, a combination of idleness and ignorance and seemingly uh, intentional malice um, has kind of cut off um, all the tax incentives that brought um, high-paying jobs like from the pharmaceutical industry um, over the past decade, mainly from 96 to 2006. Um, uh, I believe in that decade, Puerto Rico lost somewhere around 800,000 jobs. Um, and it, it, essentially the Congress in which Puerto Rico has no representation, has been um, screwing it over economically, um, you know, since the beginning, since, uh, eight, you know, 1898. It was a, a spoils of war from Spain. Uh, the U.S. didn't really want it, but Spain was kind of like, we can't deal with it, just take it. Um, and, you know, there were 20 years or so of um, not even granting Puerto Rican citizenship, um, a lot of forced sterilization, um, and other forms of sort of eugenic genocide. Um, not to mention after that, there was um, uh, Agent Orange testing uh, before the Vietnam War, which raised cancer rates all over the island. Um, uh, you know, the island of Vieques um, is probably one of the more devastated parts after the hurricane. Um, and, you know, up until recently, still had a lot of military testing going on. Um, and yeah, so the, the news today, I believe, is that uh, uh, Trump went golfing, um, but he was mad that the, the mayor of San Juan essentially said that the federal response wasn't good enough. Um, you know, she said, stop gloating. People are dying that we need help. Um, and he didn't like that because um, he's terrible. Um, but yeah, I, I, I really cannot overstate what a dire 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 situation this is so so, um, so historically members of your family and, and just people in general choosing to leave as citizens they can they can just go to the mainland well what what's uh i mean has this has this been more and more contentious with just i mean before the natural disasters there has been just you know suffering to sure. the debt crisis uh, how, how has your family yeah, personally yeah, yeah. treated this um so yeah, you know, I would say um, I wouldn't encourage just everyone to leave as a solution to the economic problems, you know, because the, the debt crisis in uh, in a lot of ways is because um, the U.S. Congress has, you know, killed all these jobs and um, and because hedge funds uh, were essentially preyed on uh, on Puerto Rican bonds um at a time when Congress specifically banned them from declaring bankruptcy. Um, so, 
you know, I, I just want to be very clear that uh, the narrative that Puerto Rico is somehow at fault or being irresponsible is completely wrong. Um, well, my family in particular, um, I would say we come from a, a middle class family. You know, my grandparents are doctors. Um, you know, they're, uh, they're in a situation where being middle class in Puerto Rico is being poor in most any part of the world. Um, you know, utilities are three times as expensive as anywhere um, because uh, the utility company imports gas for energy. Um, and this is, people have been saying actually that this is um, kind of an impetus to uh, switch Puerto Rico's grid to renewables, you know, once it has a grid. <laughs> um, my, you know, my grandpa actually has solar panels on his roof, so uh, he's one of the few people on the island who's able to boil water. Um, so, you know, the, the long story short, um, yeah, my relatives who can get off the island typically do, um, unless, you know, it's where most of their family and their social circles are. Um, I, I believe there was a statistic a couple of years ago that Puerto Rico was losing a doctor a day. Well, um, so yeah, I mean, they're not doing great right now. Yeah. Um, we've only had sporadic contact. Um, we know that people have water for now and they have food for now you know we don't know for how much longer we don't know when um, airports are going to start running regular flights um but essentially once once the airports are up and running um we have to fly as many of our relatives out as possible and um host them at our residences um wherever we can and that is that is true of many, many Puerto Rican families with relatives uh, on the States. But, um, it, you know, uh, it goes without saying uh, that uh, rural areas are hit the hardest, um, particularly, you know, like places where there's only one country road in and out um, and that, that are just poverty stricken. Um, you know, these, there are places where no one... Uh, has uh, phone access where uh, trucks can't get in and out, uh, where essentially people coordinating the rescue effort in San Juan have no idea how to reach these people. Um, you know, uh, people are going to die and they don't have to. Um, I, I can't stress enough how the hurricane isn't really the problem here. Uh, the problem here is a society and a government that is leaving people out to die despite having the resources to help them. I mean, yeah, um, it's, 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 you yeah. know, talk about like how people are treated across the world, but yeah, this is, this is in our own country, you know, this is U.S. citizens being treated this way. It's, it just shows yeah. you how, you know, it's just insane. Uh, yeah, we, and, and, and it's being brought up, you know, it's the first things Trump was, was saying last weekend was, well, it's a shame, but it's sad, but they have a debt to Wall Street, and it's all this same kind of things that largely uh -huh. have to do with uh, just basically the uh, the privileges that others have to profit off of Puerto Rico and the yeah. unfair, and, and basically the unfair rules that Puerto Rico has to self-finance you know the the funding they need for their uh for their uh for the territory uh the uh, they don't have the privileges of a city the privileges of a city to self finance would be to you know you, you can actually declare bankruptcy if if needed That's uh, right. 
and right. and states have certain rights to not really declare bankruptcy per se, but to refinance. But Puerto Rico is neither. Right. Uh, and right. yeah, I was just reading a a paper about the history of just Puerto Rico and absentee ownership uh, soon after. You know that 1898. Uh, you know it was taken over by the government. A, you know a large amount of lands. I, I think it said. Uh, you know of you know uh, fifty five thousand acres were acquired by four powerful American sugar companies. Uh, yes. Yeah, and and just basically when all these lands and natural resources. Uh, and I, I don't know exactly if I know all about the utilities, but if you talk about all these things are administered by exterior forces, Puerto Rico is given really no chance but to borrow to basically pay for things because they can't actually Absolutely. use their own land. And now they're being uh, people yeah. are pointing fingers at them. And uh, yeah, I mean, we were talking about this months ago, how insane and unfair it is. And and, and times were were normal then, and compared to now, it's 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 yeah. unbelievably tragic. You know, yeah. I mean, I hate to kind of sound like a Republican here, but all it really takes is a bureaucrat in Washington forgetting to uh, sign on the dotted line, and Puerto um, Rico's agriculture gets decimated. Um, and yeah, there there are a lot of farms laying fallow. Um, I mean, I have uh, I have relatives who who grow coffee. Um, things are not great for them, but um, it escapes my mind right now what uh, exactly the regulations are that are strangling agriculture. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, um, it, you're certainly, I think, touching upon the fact that um, it, it is really in a legal limbo that cannot be described in any way other than colonialism. Uh, it is a colony. Um, you know, U.S. territory, sure, call it what you will, but um, it really gets the short end of the stick in any sort of economic deal and it has no say in anything really. Um, yeah, half the country know, they, doesn't, uh, doesn't know that they're citizens is, I think I heard that this right. week. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. I mean, because we weren't until, uh, 1920, I believe. Um, I was going to say like, you know, now that our society seems to be headed back to the twenties, um, I guess no surprise that, um, that uh, work has been kind of forgotten. Um, and yeah, it really cannot be overstated how, uh, you know, to kind of add insult to injury, rather people are feeling very much like second class citizens, very much like um, the country that um, they've sort of been forced to uh, swear allegiance to um, has turned its back on them. Uh, so yeah. Uh, so Sorry, well, yeah, well, one thing that surprised me is we were talking a few months ago about uh, yeah, just how how statehood, I guess, to bring them into full equality as citizens, uh, has been considered a conservative position historically in in Puerto Rico. Will yes, we be able to talk about that's that? Correct. Um, yeah. So um, the uh, um, the political uh, split sort of is um, statist, and um, I don't know if there's a word for it, but uh, essentially moderates who are okay with the status quo, um, and then kind of a very, very fringe, uh, mostly left liberal-leaning uh, portion that walks independence. Um, and, yeah, the reason I think statehood has mostly been a conservative position um, is because, uh you know, it, look, I said, it, the country has totally turned its back on Puerto Rico. 
Um, and it's nothing new, right? So why would you want to be part of a country uh, that uh, historically doesn't care about you, right? <laughs> um, historically, yeah, people who want statehood, um, they want to fly a flag with a star for them. They want to vote. They want to vote Republican for, like, family values sort of issues. Um, yeah, it's it's very much not um, <laughs> it's not something Nader or even Al Gore voters would have been into like less than ten years ago. Um, and yeah, the governor now um, he kind of came out of the the statist um, party out there. So. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't really know where that stands now, right? I mean, this is um, very much an apocalypse um, yeah. in a literal sense, an economic sense, but also a political sense where um, I think you're going to see a lot of realignment going on. Um, you know, but, I mean, my cousins are all, um, you know, liberal, pseudo-atheists like me who, you know, they're for abortion, they're for gay marriage, they're for legalization of marijuana, um, but they might support statehood if that gets them to it faster. Um, historically, those are not the reason to support statehood. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I, I yeah, it, it's, I mean, the, the Puerto Rico, they still have to pay into federal programs, but they get less benefits and things like, you know, uh, Medicare and, and, uh, Medicaid historically. And now, you know, they're, they're definitely getting screwed over as far as, you know, the, the federal aid that they absolutely, absolutely need. Yeah. Um, I would say, um, you know, the, the, the biggest argument for independence is um, just that statehood seems so far-fetched now, <laughs> uh, especially now, um, because, you know, if three and a half million people, um, to, you know, you did get two senators, you get a voting member of Congress, uh, electoral votes, mostly, you know, um, it's a lot of brown people. It's a lot of people who don't speak English, like my grandmother. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the majority of Congress and has probably not to be into that. Um, so, uh, and you know, the other, the other argument for independence, of course, which is rarely spoken of would be, um, you know, p- power over its own fiat currency, um, which again, you know, wouldn't make sense unless it had its own power grid, um, and, um, power over its own, you know, agricultural industry. Um, and, you know, up until this hurricane, there was even an effort to bring uh, high tech jobs to San Juan, um, but yeah, I don't. It, it, it's going to take months uh, until the place isn't in just a in total crisis mode, right? Yeah, and um, and, there, and, there's, and when there's the, people standing in line for like seven hours to get food and fuel, you know. <laughs> so um, yeah, and, and and when when the disaster mitigates, the question is, will will it be in a good position to? I mean, people are like scared that like afterwards will just be more profiteering. People will like try to profitize the utilities, the new power grid, and I mean, whether it's independent in the future or a state, I mean, having them be able to administer their own to build the wealth of their own area. I mean, I guess the the focus of this show of just being like how crazy it is to try to 
you know, have a place, you know, how to build cities, how to build communities when you don't even own your own land. And, uh, yeah, I mean, sure. yeah, I mean, Puerto Rico in 1944, they had a land reform bill that tried to break up the great estates owning all the land of, of Puerto Rico and, uh, basically give land wealth to the peasants. Uh, and was going to, you know, kind of create, you know, I, I think kind of like basically a, a, a proto community land trust of sorts, uh, throughout the mm-hmm. area. And yeah, it was defeated because of powerful special interests, uh, back in 1944. Right. And it, I mean, that's, that's essentially why the, why the Dole Company, um, you know, go to the, the Eisenhower administration into backing civil wars in, uh, Guatemala and the Dominican Republic and all that. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, uh, the, the U.S. government, um, historically has not been fond of, um, uh, shall we say, bottom-up approaches to uh, land use, particularly agriculture. Um, and, you know, let's not beat around the bush. It is colonialism. Um, I, I first love the term neocolonialism, too, because I mean, it's, not, it's not new. Nothing's <laughs> uh, changed. Um, you know, the, uh, perhaps outwardly the the, um, the semantics of chains, you know, where you know, we're fighting communism or um, free market or whatever. Um, you know, I don't know what sort of rhetoric is going to be used to keep Puerto Rico down in the future, um, but I suspect a lot of it is yeah, like, um Yeah, I mean, colonialism uh, version one, you know, people go to a place and enslave the indigenous peoples. And I guess, you know, colonialism version, you know, uh, you know, later era, you, you can't enslave them, but you can still basically buy up everything they own under them for whatever rate they'll, you force them to agree to. And then, yeah, they, they basically have to do whatever you say for all time after that. It's, it's not That's a right. whole lot different. Yeah. And, you know, the argument is probably going to be used as like, oh, you know, they racked up all this debt and they can't be trusted with sovereignty. But, you know, the whole reason the debt crisis is so bad is because of the acute lack of sovereignty. Um, so, um, yeah, there's a lot of circular reasoning kind of being used to, um, uh, dehumanize the Puerto Rican people. Um, yeah. I mean- and yeah, I, I, yeah, I just want to, uh, I, I guess I'm going to wrap up my thoughts by, uh, echoing, um, the statements of the, uh, the mayor of San Juan earlier this week, which is like, you know, it's, uh, rescue efforts have to, at the very least, double from what they currently are, or else people will die needlessly, and it will be nothing short of genocide. <laughs> that's, that's just what it is. Yeah. So, so to draw attention, uh, I mean, the Jones Act is temporarily lifted, but there are still efforts to uh, support uh, uh, support a total repeal of this. But but in yeah, general, absolutely. yeah. Uh, but in general, it's it's a it's a it's it's a human it's it's you know just it's a disaster on every level. And uh, yeah, I mean, and I th- yeah yeah. And I will I will say too, you know, I'll end on a high note. If Puerto Rico manages to recover, um, I can say with confidence, a lot of Puerto Ricans would go back. Right. So the whole the exodus of um, of people from Puerto Rico does not need to be a permanent situation. Um, People will go back, uh, you know, to be with their families, um, to be one of the most beautiful places in the world. Um, The I would say uh, resettlements on the mainland should not be considered anything but um, a short term emergency mitigation. Um, and it is obviously one that, uh, that the poorest can't take advantage of. Um, so, you know, rebuilding its economy, 
um, with a greater modicum of sovereignty, whether it's statehood or independence. Honestly, I don't care anymore. I just want family to be safe, um, and I want, um, you know, jobs to come back. Uh, I don't really care how, how it happens, um, but it can happen, and, you know, it doesn't have to be, um, you know, it doesn't have to be Albania, you know? Yeah. Um, it can be... Things could be better, but um, you know, people really have to keep making noise. Uh, it took a lot of calls to people's local congressmen to um, to get this Jones Act repealed. Um, I think that shows that um, we can do more, and we need to do more. Um, not possible. So, um, yeah, listeners, um, please call your member of Congress. Please uh, donate at MariaFund.org, um, and yeah. I, uh, uh, if you're rich, um, please follow the lead of uh, Ricky Martin, Mark Anthony, Pitbull, and Yankee, and JLo, and donate a few million because it's uh, barely the beginning. I don't know if there's really much more to say. I mean, it's kind of just the idea of colonialism and is colonialism, is colonialism even possible when people have ability to own their own natural resources? That's that's kind of the key question. And Puerto Rico is, is one place where, yeah, is it's, you know, they had the ability to leave as U.S. citizens, you know, for the last hundred years or so, but... Uh, even though they weren't basically boxed in with closed borders, they still were being bought out from under them. And yeah, I, I, it's hard to, it's hard to see how colonialism is possible if people have a natural right to administer their own natural resources. And I mean, you, it's theoretically possible for any area to, you know, not be, uh, financially trustworthy. Right. But, when when you don't even own your own natural resources, which you would use to generate wealth to pay back uh, you know your creditors, um, it, you can't just claim that it's their fault. you know it's like, hey, uh, you know we have this company town. Um, <laughs> we're raising your rent, uh, but we're we're not gonna pay you more wages. Well, how am I supposed to pay you back then? Well, Better figure it out, or I guess you can remain in debt peonage. I mean, to, to yeah. draw the analog to real estate, uh, I mean, isn't it irresponsible that people would take out gigantic mortgages, much in excess of their yearly salary, uh, just to buy up what is essentially a, an imprudent investment in their in overpriced uh, real estate. But the thing is, if you don't have a choice, if this is the only way you can basically buy into your community or something, people are going to take out big loans. And if that's the only way you can basically take charge of it, yeah, I mean, people are going to take a lot of money to lend out. It's, it's, it's all that's left to them if you can't do your own thing. And it has a political dimension too as well because you've already built up so many interests that you know, middle class and richer people want the uh, property system to remain the the way it is, and so they elect leaders that uh, don't increase the property tax or or leave it alone 
Um, and, you know, if, if we had a property tax, a reasonable one or a land value tax, then those real estate values, those selling prices would go down and uh, people wouldn't feel the need to you know, just buy up all the land because there'd be no way to just passively profit from it. I mean, who had the, if you look at like historical analogs, like Ireland back in the late 19th century, who had the political power? It was the rich landlords who really were able to push the parliament to say, here's how we should administer, you know, the different policies in Ireland, because they were the the few making the big profits. And yeah, I mean, if you're looking at how we treat, you know, uh, a second class territory like Puerto Rico, you're not listening to every citizen like their own place. They don't have representation, but you are listening to Donald Trump is not he 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 wavered on, on, on taking away the Jones Act for a better part of a week because he just explicitly said, well, we understand that this is doesn't make a lot of sense, but the, the, the shipping industry is going to complain. And that's just insane that he's just basically saying that the needs of citizens are trumped by a completely unreasonable demand from a special interest. That's absolutely baffling. Was that pun intended? Uh, which was the pun part? The, 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 going to trump their demand. Oh, fun. Yeah, it's... Man, I used to... I was, I was looking at things like just old references of me talking to Trump, and I'm using the word only. It's just depressing that, like... It used to be a point you could just ignore this weird, this weird television uh, character. But, yeah, now it's... Now it's very hard to just ignore him. He's, he's, he's a bit front and center. That was a uh, brief conversation between myself and co-host Jacob Schwartz-Lucas after speaking to Diego Aguilar about the situation in Puerto Rico, his personal involvement, and a discussion about the history of the policy of Puerto Rico, finance structures, the debt crisis, and just basically, you know, the fairness of its policies. This is the Henry George Program here in KZSU Stanford. I was just noting, uh, just ran across an interesting document. It's a document from the Congress of the United States in 1900 on the industrial and other conditions of the island of Puerto Rico. And they're speaking about the, uh, the uh, at that point, the Secretary of uh, Finance was uh, Dr. Cayetano Coli Toste. Uh, who was a prominent citizen and also in the government before the uh, United States took over. And he, in fact, implemented uh, uh, the land value tax to some degree in, in Puerto Rico. This is a uh, quote from the uh, from the goings-on of the Congress. Uh, the chairman... Uh, is uh, talking about the, uh, the system of, of taxing on land. Uh, is that the system now? Uh, yes, sir. Unless uh, General Davis has repealed it. Uh, Mr. Gallinger, that is in direct conflict with our American system. Mr. Curtis, yes, sir, it is that which is provided against in the Ordinance of 1787 and every territorial act since. It works against the Americans as well as the Spaniards. The chairman, is that on real estate? Uh, Mr. Curtis, yes, sir, and all property as well. Mr. Cole y Toste calls it the Henry George system, and I think it is. Mr. Cockrell, does he call that an American system? Mr. Curtis, yes, sir. The Henry George system. So that's just that's just kind of fascinating. And of course they did get rid of that. And uh, and what do you know? What do you know? Then you suddenly had these major American sugar companies 
ended up forming great estates. So, uh, some, someone predicted that at the time. Uh, so this has been a presentation of KCSU Stanford.